Take it from the top. Take one. This is Within. Shifting the conversation on who is in prison. Recording from the vault in the Denver complex of the Colorado Department of Corrections. I'm Denise Presson, resident at Denver Women's Correctional Facility. I'm Andrew Draper, resident at Sterling Correctional Facility. I'm Ashley Hamilton, the founder and director of the DU Prison Arts Initiative. Here at Within, as we work to shift the conversation on who is in prison, we've asked our guests and our hosts to freely share their perspective. The opinions expressed in this podcast are strictly those of the person who gave them. Please be aware that in this episode, we discuss the use of administrative segregation and strip cells within the Colorado Department of Corrections. These practices are no longer used within the CDOC. This is part two of a two-part story on two friends who met in prison and attempted to escape from a Colorado correctional facility. Last week, we heard how they both came into the system and how they came to know each other. Let's dig back in. We waited till the time was right, and we took over the prison. I, to me, that was one of another scariest nights of my life, you know what I mean? Because if one thing I know about a plan, there ain't no plan. Right. <laughs> yeah, you can't plan anything. You know, we, no one knows what's going to happen the next second. And just as we thought we had everything mapped out, all hell broke loose. We take, we take you know, the, the guards in the kitchen hostage. And we waited on, because what would happen, they would come pick us up. You know, other security staff would come, pat us out, and take us back to the unit at night. Well, we get the three in there or the two in there. When the other two come, we get them. Um, Smiley puts on a uniform. <laughs> uniform don't fit him. Or, oh, man, Smiley was skinny, you know what I mean? But he put on uniform, hat, and everything. But ain't no, it's it's probably three black police working Centennial at this time. So can't none of us put on no uniform, you know what I mean? So he puts on the uniform and there's a slider. You got to walk past this, this glass window where where um, it's like control, uh, control center. And he walks past it and dude pops the door. He pops the door. Me and Otis run right in behind him. So we go through there and we take another hostage, go to the bank. Smiley's telling him, man, I'm not, I'm not going to hurt you, man. Just, you know, you got to come with us. And it, it had to be a wrestling stance. It wasn't a, a fist fighting stance, you know what I mean? But uh, he jumps in this stance and Smiley shoot him. So when he gets shot, and then this is the craziest thing in the whole wide world. He's shot. Smiley got a pistol. Otis got a pistol. They done put the pistols down. They picking him up. So now I got two pistols. You dig what I'm saying? But they nursing him back to health, and I'm I'm confused by this. You know what I mean? They they picking him up, and uh, Otis like, oh man, you bleeding all over me, man. Why'd you do that, man? You, you know, like talking to him, like you know. And I'm like, man, shit, we didn't shot him. I mean, ain't no need in helping him at this point. You know what I mean? My mind didn't didn't understand that. But even in all that chaos, you know what I mean? It was still. Uh, uh, he still shows some some humanity, you know what I mean? Picked the dude up off the floor and, you know what I mean? Carried him, didn't drag him, none of that shit, you know what I mean? I don't know what about compassion to me to save officer, but he was bleeding to death. And like I say, I have I've seen it before, men shot and stabbed. And for some reason, we had compassion on him, me and 40, and uh, we helped him, you know, banished him up and set him to the side, and he survived, thank God for that, because if not, I wouldn't be talking to you. I'd be on death row right now. Right. Well, what do you think that was? I mean, if you really, you're literally in, like, the heat of this insane moment of, like, get out. Why do you think you stopped and helped the officer? You know, I have asked myself that a, a few times in my cell. I don't know what draws a man to have compassion at certain times and certain times not, you know. You know, maybe seeing him over there dying, maybe seeing him calling out for help. I, you know, maybe God knew if I didn't do it, he would die and I'd be on death for it. I, I don't, to be honest, I don't know. You know, I just, we just did it, you know, and that's a good thing for all of us. So I don't know why. Run down to the gym and... uh He's carrying, you're running down to the gym. Well, no, we, we carried him, put him in, in, in this cage. It was a big old cage, like a maintenance cage. You put him in the cage. And uh, so 
Now we got to go get the guys in the gym. We go down these steps to get the guys in the gym. And, you know, I'm the young guy, so it, it's it's a – it's a gym staff. He's shooting baskets by himself. Gym is wide. You know, it's empty. It's, it's wide open. So, you know, after we had come back from rec, I mean, come back from work, rec would come get whatever unit was going to the gym that night or whatever because uh, uh, you went by work assignments. You know what I mean? You, you know, the kitchen had certain days where they would get direct. Uh, uh, certain nights would be this unit or that unit. Certain times would be just for the weightlifters or just for the boxers or just for the handball. You didn't just for basketball, you know what I mean? Just to keep everybody out of each other's way. Uh it would be like that. But anyway, <clears throat> so we go down the stairs and he's shooting the baskets. He looks up and sees us and he takes off running. Smiley tell him, "Go get him, youngster." So I'm on his ass, you know what I mean? I'm I'm chasing him. He tries to run out the door, but I jumped over some bleachers and then caught him so he has to run back he has to run back in the gym and he runs back and they had a little uh bathroom where they had washing washer and dryer where they washed the little uniform you know because we had uh we had uh basketball uniforms and you know hand wraps and shit for the for the boxing you know so they wash all that and they wash shower curtains and shit in the well, washing the dryer. So he runs back in there, and it's another officer back there. Man, it was different. The officer, the rec officers, they didn't wear, you know, the blue uniforms. They wore, like, rec clothes, you know what I mean? So uh, he ran in there, <laughs> and as soon as he gets in there, he puts his hands up and said, they got us. But uh, that happened, you know what I mean? And we escaped. Uh-uh. We cut through the fence. Uh-uh. Me, Smiley, and Otis ran up. Up the hill, we get cool. The next crew, three more dudes, they they try to run through the fence. I guess they set the sensor off, and the tower starts popping. He pop, pop, pop. You know what I mean? He, he's going nuts. He's shooting everything. I mean, it, it sounds like uh, we in Iraq or something. It's so much shooting. So uh, I'm trying to steal a car in the parking so you, lot. You got out of the fence. Oh, yeah. We okay. all the way out the fence. And uh, I'm trying to steal a car in the parking lot. And uh, man, I used to wash my clothes in the in the uh, kitchen because I could get bleach. So all my stuff is ice white, you know what I mean? And I guess he see my t-shirt, so he starts popping the car, pop, 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 pop. I'm from the back seat, leaned across to the front seat, popping the steering column, and uh, this damn fool starts hitting his front seat. So Otis is on the outside of the uh, driver's door. I had popped the door, but he's just outside the door, you know, letting me do, you know, pop the, the column. We don't steal this car. Get on, you know. Let me explain. We had a great idea to break out of prison, but not a great idea to get away. <laughs> you dig <laughs> what I'm saying? You know. I know. I was just thinking, like, wait. <laughs> yeah, where, where are you going? You know, yeah, it was, it was a bad idea. But, but. Uh, Didn't think that far. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't think I don't think the plan went further than getting the pistols. Once the pistols came, you know, we're like, shit, we got to do something, you know what I mean? But uh, so we do that. Uh, uh, he shoots that front seat, and I feel it. I feel the 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 bullet went over my back. I feel it. So uh, I tell Otis, I say, hey, man, uh, I'm screaming though. It's not it's not calm like this, you know. I'm screaming. I said, man, he's going to hit me in my back. I'm going to be paralyzed, man. Get me out of here, man. Get me out of here. And like I'm saying, Otis was swole, man. He just grabbed me by my collar and just pulled me out the car. And when he pulled me out the car, the tower shot the uh, rearview mirror and all the glass flew in his face. Yeah. So he turns his head. And when he turns his head, he's looking at me. And next thing you know, you know, he's still shooting. His leg just flies out from under him. Boom. He said, man, I'm hit. He jumps up and takes off running. And so uh, I start running behind him. Man, we probably ran about a mile. And, uh, we, you know, we walking now, you know. And uh, as he's walking, you could just hear this sloshing. You know, you hear this sloshing. And it's all the blood done ran from his leg down into his boot. You know what I mean? And I was like, damn, you know, ah. Uh, well, you know, we end up getting caught that night.
do you feel responsible for Rory's actions? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Let me, uh, it's a few guys that I ran across to bid out in population. I done seen them years later. And every time I see one of them, I tell them, hey, look, uh, I want to apologize to you uh, uh, for basically following my stupidity, my ignorance, my, you know. And if there's anything that I can do to make you a better man right now, I will because uh, it's a shame that um, we let our poison spill over to someone else. And that's what it is, it's poison, you know. So, yes, I'm really proud of Atkins, and I'm proud of a lot of guys that, you know, they accept my apology, amen. Uh, you was young, we were young, you know, and they let it go back like that. But the ones I wish I could really apologize to is the dead ones. You can't. It's done. You know what I mean? You can't bring them back. So, yes, I do feel responsible for a lot of man's life I ran in here, you know, and I hope that one day, you know, I don't want to die in this prison. I really don't. Uh, but if that's what it's going to be, I'm going to try to be the best person I can every day in here. And uh, and maybe God might have mercy. You know, I don't know if he will or not, but I'm going to keep trying to be a better person every single day, no matter what DOC think, no matter what society think. I basically don't give a damn because nothing is going to make me go back to be the man that I used to be. You shared earlier that you did 19 years in ADSEG, mm -hmm. in solitary confinement. Well, I did 13 straight the first time. I thought I had myself together. They let me out for like three months. I went out there, got right back into the drugs. A dude OD'd and died. So they put me right back over there for another four or five years. That's how I ended up doing almost 19. And was the first 13 years because of the breakout? Yes, the first 13 years was. That's a really, really long time. Uh, maybe, maybe it was and maybe it wasn't. So let me make that clear to you why I said that. A lot of dudes in there... Absolutely lost their mind. Dudes hung themselves. Dudes started throwing feces on each other. Uh, dudes started cutting their wrists because you done took everything away from the man except a toilet and a TV. So you lose hope. But for me, um, it, it made me stronger because I had made up my mind that I'm going to survive this. No matter what, I'm, I'm going to make it through this year. And, and it's hard. It, it really is to have no physical contact. After 13 years and I got out of there and an officer touched me, it was, it was almost shocking that someone touched you. Someone put their hands on you. Someone, you know what I mean? Because you don't get that contact. And I can understand a lot of men losing their life about that because you have nothing. They take every single thing from you. I stayed in the cell seven and a half years without a TV and a radio. You know what I'm saying? I started reading encyclopedias. I started doing math, different things like that to keep your mind together because if you don't, you will lose your mind. That's an absolute fact. I've seen it happen. I've seen dudes, uh, this is funny, they had a lady that just started there, and I had been there about 12 years then, and uh, a dude next door to me, he's off the chain. This dude was a mess. But anyway, uh, they were serving breakfast this morning, and he didn't get any syrup on his tray. <laughs> so I already knew that this was going to be some BS behind this right here because I know the dude. So uh, anyway, she said, well, I'll be right back. She closed his tray slot and left. You know, she's going to go get him some syrup. This dude <laughs> took his mattress, everything he could find in his cell, popped his socket and lit it on fire because he didn't have no syrup, syrup on his cell, so, I mean on his tray. So when she came back and opened up the tray slot and smoke and fire, it scared her so bad that she quit that day. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, Lord, don't, please, just let me keep my mind. Just let me hold on to my mind while I'm here because I can understand that we have to be punished, but ain't this severe? You know, I know that people in other countries are starving, Dudes are being raped, dudes are being killed and everything, but this right here is enough for me. This solitary confinement, this is, this is my breaking point, you know what I mean? Because they, they take everything. They drain you, your soul. And if you let that happen, 
you end up like those dudes, cutting their wrists, jumping off tears, uh, anything they can do to get attention, what I call it, uh, get out of the misery that they're in, I don't know what it is because I've never done it. So I don't know what compelled them to do what they did. Out of all the things I've done in my life, listen to me what I'm finna tell you, I have never, ever thought about bothering Otis. You know, it's never entered my mind to bother me. You know what I mean? I just, I just deal with the, the circumstances and the situations the best I can. What do you mean, bother you? It's never entered my mind to commit suicide or to cut my wrists or to do anything that's going to harm me. You know what I mean? I, it's just I can't comprehend that. I don't, it's something that is beyond me, you know what I mean, to take my life. You know what I mean? But I, I've seen dudes do it. I understand it to a certain point. I've seen dudes in there so frustrated that they would take their TVs and their radios and destroy them, you know. And I'm thinking to myself, damn, uh, you're hurting yourself. Your your family sent you the money for that TV and radio and TV. Why are you turning up your own stuff? If I'm going to tear up something, it's going to be something DLC's bought, you know what I mean? But So, I, you know what I'm saying, I, my mind's... My mind wasn't like that, but my mind was different. I was I was a different thinker like that, you know what I mean? Segregation is 23-hour-a-day lockdown. Back then, you came out all seven days. You know, uh, what ended up happening later out there on CSP, you, you would only come out five days a week. You dig what I'm saying? Four hours a day. But back then, you know, we came out seven days a week, uh, hour a day. Uh, um, but there, you know, Centennial had trace lots and bars and, you know, in the door and all that stuff, you know. Uh, so if you was, you know, trying, you can, you can get physical with somebody, you know what I mean? And they put me in a A1, you know, the the hole within the hole within the hole. Can you explain that? Okay. Uh, a and B in Centennial back then was segregation. B unit was uh, like B3 and B2 was was where you were going before you were transitioned back to population. Uh, uh, A2 and A3 were, uh, <clears throat> A2 was the top tier was, was barred off and they had bars on the top tier separate, separate the top tier from the bottom tier mm-hmm. the first four sales was death row uh, uh the second four sales was guys with hiv because you got you got to be mindful this is the 80s you know they don't know yeah. about hiv like that you know what i mean so they were them dudes had their own shower and everything oh wow mm-hmm. yeah they they never was around us the first four sales was just death row so when they would get their day hall, they would open the door and they would come downstairs and use the shower downstairs. Mm. Uh, uh, that's the part that the stabbing happened with with, with uh, Bear. Well, they moved me to A pod, A1. I mean, well, A1. A1 was for <clears throat> the guys that they felt were just incorrigible. You dig what I'm saying? Uh, this was in 1990. My next door neighbor... Uh, Charlie Wade, he had been in six in 77. Uh, uh, yeah. Next to him was uh, Ricky Smith. He had been there. He had stabbed uh, uh, a dude, Billy Bressler, probably 44 times. And so he was in there. Uh, uh, my neighbor to my right, I mean to my left, because I was in seven, my, my neighbor to my left, uh, uh, I can't remember this dude's name, but he was a, a fire bug. He was one of the dudes like to set himself on fire and shit. And uh, one day I gassed him up to set a fire. I, I don't know what the hell this dumbest shit I ever did, man. Damn near choked me to death, man. I have asthma. I can't go. I can't deal with that. You know, just just bad plan after bad plan. You know, damn near killed myself. You know. Then what's crazy when they came in with the fire extinguisher? They knew I gassed him up to do it. They knew I gave him a lighter. You know what I mean? Because he couldn't have none of that. And uh, they hit me with the with the uh, fire extinguisher, you know. Yeah, fuck myself up behind that. You know what I mean? <laughs> the thing about A one, A one is uh, A one is the 
the jail within the jail within the jail, meaning they had showers in the cell. So when they said, hey, man, fuck it, you ain't never coming out. They had one dude in there uh-oh, who I recently seen just came back, Doug Burns, who he always trying to escape. I mean, just the worst escape artist ever, though. He always got caught, <laughs> but he was always trying to escape. His whole cell was metal. They had went in there and cheap metal the whole cell where he couldn't try to dig through the cinder blocks or nothing. You dig what I'm saying? So his whole cell was metal. Uh-uh. Yeah, it was crazy. It, it, it was crazy. And how long were you in A1? I was in A1 a couple years. I, uh, uh, I was in A1 for a couple years, and they made a unit for us. And they had the dudes that had tried to escape, me, Otis, Smiley, Gangster, Hollywood. They had us all in C1. They had fenced that off. They didn't put bars, but they had a fence on there. And uh, we were all up there uh, in C1. They put a little... Uh, uh, a, a universal workout machine in there, so we would go in there and work out. You know, what I mean, you know, you only coming out one at a time, but it was cool. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, so we sat there till CSP actually opened. CSP actually opened. Uh, I've been the first person in three sales and two units over there, but uh, I went to CSP and did another six years over there. So your that whole time in solitary was yeah that was nine years all together from uh, uh, nineteen ninety to nineteen ninety nine. I spent I spent all the nineties in segregation. No human contact, no sunshine, you know none of that. You shit. You didn't see sunshine for nine years. Yes, I seen it out the window. You saw it out the window. <laughs> yes, but I didn't feel it on my skin or nothing like that. And no what goes rain. through your mind in solitary? I got worse. I got worse because I got to reading all kinds of different books. And, man, I could justify everything that I did. Is that what you did for the nine years you read? Read, did push-ups, shadow boxed, uh, and got angry and angrier and angrier and angrier and angrier. I became a complete and total ball of hate. How did your time in solitary, you know, how did it shape you? And then uh, what was your journey out of that, out of violence? Uh, like I said, when I got out and this dude OD and lost his life, that really shook me to the core because when I had got out, I had really made up my mind that I wanted to do good. I wanted to be a good person. I wanted to stop, you know what I mean? But I wanted to make a little money to get myself together, which that turned out to be a crop of BS. But anyway, when he died, and I said, man, I'm hurting people and killing people and don't want to do it. I, it, just, it just happened like that. So when they came and wrapped me up and took me back, I sat in the cell, and, uh, you know, they take everything. You know, you, you, they, when they said... A strip cell, that's what that means. You butt naked in that cell. You don't have anything. So I'm sitting there on a steel bunk, buck naked with nothing, you know, and I, I said, okay, you know what? I'm done. And I, I, I changed. I stopped, you know. Dude started coming in. I started helping him get their GED to the door. I started reading to guys that couldn't read. Uh, but you did, you did another five years in solitary after that moment. Yes, yes. So you're naked. So you, so you get out of solitary after 13 years because of the breakout, mm -hmm. you decide you're going to get it together. Yes. You go and so you go out and you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to get it together, but I need some money. Mm -hmm. So the way that you go about getting that money is by selling drugs. Drugs, right. And then someone OD'd on the drugs and died. Yes. And, you ha and then they stick you in this, what's it called? Uh, Solitary confinement. It's strip cell, though. Yeah. Strip cell. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How is that different from It's stripped egg? of everything, so it's just a cell. Some only have a, a, like, some have concrete blocks in them that you would lay on as a mattress, and some have the steel bunk. Mm -hmm. But there's nothing else in and there. And how long do they keep you in there? Well, you start out with three days. Completely then, naked. It's an observation yeah. period, yeah. is what they call it. And from there, it depends on your attitude. Don't get, get cold, I'm yeah. just telling you. Yeah. It gets cold. Have you been in one of those, Denise? Yes, I have. Yeah. Oof. Okay. So, so you're in there, and then they put you in solitary for how much longer after that? I stayed in there about a little over five years. 
So then you're in for five years, and then that's where the shift really happened. Yes, it really did. I, it, I took a, a turn for the good there, you know. And, you know, at, uh, at this time, it was freezing cold. Now, this is crazy. Listen to what I'm finna tell you, because what I'm telling you is the truth here. Uh, it got real cold in the cell, right? So I had took some toilet paper, and I tried to make a... A, a little a pallet so I could get warm and everything. So the officer came by and he seen it and he said, hey, I'm, I need to get that toilet paper off of you. And so, okay, now this is, this is my last little episode right here. This is the best one right here. Uh, so I, I let him have it. So um, uh, they came back. It's two or three of them at the door and said, hey, Mr. Bell, you know, will you cuff up? And I'm not trying to hear any direct orders at all. I'm not listening to nothing. I'm freezing. So I said, no, man, I'm not doing it. So when they left, I popped the socket on there, and I set the toilet paper on fire. So, you know what I'm saying? I said, well, they're going to take the toilet paper, so I'm going to warm the cell up. That's how I'm thinking. The cell will be warm by the time they get back. But anyway, they came. <laughs> it made sense at the time, yeah, didn't yeah, it? <laughs> yeah, so they came back, and they got the, the, the fire hoses. You know what I'm saying? So I'm freezing cold, man. They done sprayed me down, toilet paper, fire, smut everywhere. On Now the to- they, they got toilet paper, and, uh, <laughs> and they put the fire out, but they left me in the room. And that right there just, I'm all night long, I'm shivering. Thank God it's an officer that came and said, hey, look, man, we're going to take you downstairs to clean up the room. And so I'm butt naked, right? But they gave me my glasses. But I forgot I had my glasses. So when they come to handcuff me, I said, hey, give me my glasses. So he said, Mr. Bell, we don't have your glasses, right? But I forgot that I done flipped them up and they're up on my head. So I'm finna go into another episode of them, right? <laughs> so I went to call them all kind of this and that and the other. So the officer come to the door. He said, hey, look, man, your glasses is on your head. So I looked in the mirror. <laughs> I looked, sorry. Yeah, I looked in the mirror and I started crying. I sat on the bed and I, I cried like a baby. So he said, you know what, man? We're going to leave you alone. Get yourself together. And the next day, they came back, gave me my blankets, my sheets and everything. And that was it for me. You know, I was done. You know what I mean? Because I think God knew that was my breaking point right there. I, enough was enough. So, and I, just, I never looked back. You've been in for 30? 30, 30 in, in about three weeks. It'll be 31 years exactly. And eight, about around 18 of those years. About you 18 s- years you in segregation, s- you s- yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's, yeah. Every, so. every facility I've ever been to, I've been in the hole, except for Orway. Orway didn't, uh, they didn't put me in the hole. What they actually did was uh, uh, came and cuffed me up from my cell and took me to intake and left me there for about two, three hours, brought me a jumpsuit and a sack lunch and took me straight to CSP. So um, how, when was the last time you were in ADSEC? How long have you been out now? I've been out since uh, the day before Thanksgiving, uh, 2013. So about six years, right. five and a half, six years. Right. Okay. So is this your longest amount of time out? Absolutely. Okay. I'll never go back, though. I'll, I'll never go back to SIG. What was the turning point? Right before Christmas, I get a money order and a, and a J-Pay letter, and I'm reading the letter, George Cook. That's Lil Wood. Uh, uh, oh, gee, I'm out. Uh, uh, here go the address, man. Here go the phone number, man. Get at me, you know what I mean? So uh, I put the number on the, on the phone list. I call him. What's up? Man, I work with Carmart. You know, I'm doing good, man. I met this girl. I'm about to marry her. Uh, uh, I'm on paper, man, so you know what I mean? Uh, uh I can't do all this, but it's good for me. I'm doing real good. Mm. So he's telling me all this, and I'm blown away, you know what I mean? Because he's so wild, and he's he's young. Mm. You dig what I'm saying? And, and and he's doing so good, and I'm impressed. And so uh, towards the end of the conversation, he's like, uh, man, he's telling me, he's quoting shit that I had wrote to him when I was in CSP. Mm. Man, I remember you told me this and you told me that. And uh, man, that's straight up. That's real. And you know what I mean? And so then he tell me, uh, big homie, what you doing in there? I'm doing the same shit. 
you know, his mom had passed and uh, my mom, an angel, she told him, hey, man, you know, you, Squeaky done passed, but but you still got a mama right here. You know what I mean? You know, uh, you know, my mom loved him through me. You dig what I'm saying? And uh, here go the homie. He's doing all these things that he should be doing. And he asked me what I'm doing. <laughs> and and what's crazy is he, he he was mad at me for for getting him to stop banging. You know what I mean? To, to cut the shit out, but. Do you think he forgives you now? Like, does he understand? He loves me. I talk oh. to him all the time. He loves me. So that was but he was he was mad that I'm pulling him out the fire, but he don't realize I'm pulling him out the fire because I see me in him. Like knows like. Yeah. You know what I mean? A lion can look at a giraffe and see it's not another lion. Hmm. You dig what I'm saying? He know what what was his ilk. You know what I mean? And I knew this is my ilk. I know if he continues what he what he's doing. Me and him be sitting here lifting weights on the penitentiary yard for the next hundred years. You know what I mean? So you were willing to save him, but at that time you weren't yet ready to save yourself. I didn't realize I was saving him or that I wasn't saving myself. I just knew that's what I'm supposed to do. That's the big homie. I'm supposed to direct my homies in the right path. You dig what I'm saying? You know, I'm supposed to give them something better. You know what I mean? Because that's that's what love is. Same way Otis got in my ass, you know, because he loved me. I think that was a, a touch of insanity for me. I, I, I believe that that was, if I'd have went any further right there, my next step would be the graveyard, you know what I mean? I think that they would say, hey, you know what? We're going to have to beat this dude to death, you know what I mean? And they have done it. So I think that was my point right there, say, hey, look, man, enough is enough. You have been doing this shit for 19 years. I'm not, I haven't got anywhere. Yeah, all I did was bury myself over and over and over because all they do is change shifts on you. Mm-hmm. A fresh crew come in. You know, and they ready for you. They didn't already got the reports yet. Mr. Bell is down there acting a damn fool, so y'all get ready. So I can't win. So you said you had changed, right? So uh, can you illustrate that for us? What does that change look like? To me, it's the most beautiful thing in the world because right now, it it didn't got so good to me with what I'm doing inside of myself with helping other dudes. Who would have been better? I don't care if they're black, white, blue, or green, gay, boss, whatever. I I give everybody the benefit of the doubt. If you want something positive, you come talk to me. I will help them in any way I can to be a better person. I done got so good, I hope it don't ever happen, that I actually probably take a punch in the mouth and walk off because I know not only am I thanking for me, I'm thanking for that person too because they don't know. You know what I mean? It's 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 a it's a good thing to know, man. It really is. And I teach guitar class over at Centennial. I teach drums. Uh, I taught myself how to do all that. Um, and they had a white guy come in one time, and it messed me up so bad. And I'm gonna use this word loosely because I usually don't use it loosely. And uh, he came into class. He's two eleven. He said, "You know what, man? A uh, uh, nigga shouldn't be teaching guys how to do nothing." And I laughed so hard in my heart. You know what I mean? This dude is this ignorant that he would say something like that. And don't, that's what I'm saying, don't underestimate a man because he had no idea who he was talking to. Right. 30 years ago, you'd have walked this guitar out of here. You know, but you see what I'm saying? So that made me feel good about myself. It really did. It made, and to this day, this guy is one of my best students. You know, because I wonder if I had did what I did 30 years ago. Just like I had made up my mind I was going to do the criminal thing, I just changed. I just stopped, you know. You know, I'm going to tell you something. I see my mother. She smoked all her life, right? And maybe I got this shit from her. And one day, I was probably 13, maybe, 14, and uh, she had smoked bitch and hedges all her life. And uh, she rolled down the window one day, and she said, I'm done with cigarettes. And she never touched another one. Maybe I got that from her. I don't know. I just, I just made up my mind I'm done. You know what I mean? In any situation, no matter what it may be, I'm not backing up. I'm done with it. You know what I mean? I would never commit another crime. I would never harm another human being again in my life. When you do this much time, 
and you really are in it. See, I could look at any dude coming through here right now, dude, the worst guy. I could look at I could look at him right now, and I know exactly how he thinks. I know exactly how he thinks. I know exactly. You, you uh, one of them young dudes coming here with a life sentence, mad at the world, and you know, ready to prove his, you know, his name. I can look at him. I know exactly how he feels. But this is the thing. If you do enough time and you really in it, when you get to where I'm at, you're going to think the same way I think. Hmm. It's how it goes. You know what but I mean? Do you, hope that, do you hope when you're doing these, the peer education system, or excuse me, I got to say this again because it does sound kind of awesome. Peer, Just say peer mentor. Peer education adjustment keepers. Bingo. Yeah. Um, do you hope that you're going to keep them from having to go through the 17 years of solitary? I, and I pray to all God I do. I the... pray to God I do. I, 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 I pray that I pray that people use me as a, a warning sign. You dig what I'm saying? Because once upon a time, you know, this is how, how I phrase it. You know, I wanted to be a rider for the turf, and I wanted to be a hitter for the set, and, you know, I wanted to be the boss and the general and all that, and, and I achieved it. I achieved it. Never told on nobody, ain't never ran from nobody, ain't no weird shit in my father. I did it the way I'm supposed to do it. But at the end of the day, this is what it looked like when he get old. You dig what I'm saying? This what this what a rider looked like when he get old. This, you know, an old dude with, with glasses, you know what I mean? With a bad knee from lifting too much heavy weight. This what it, this what a, you know, this what the rider looked like when he get old. And tell us about what that looks like internally. To me, um, uh, man, I look like a, to me. Now, now, don't get it wrong. I love myself, but I look like a, I look like a cold failure. You know what I mean? I, I look like a, like a loser. I mean, um, man, this shit here, you can't take anywhere. No matter what I, I how do I impress somebody? Who pays their mortgage with, with with my exploits? Motherfucker, I've done nothing. I'm nobody. I'm nobody. I got a wonderful, tremendous family. My pop's 78 years old. Done whoop cancer, done whoop diabetes. I mean, the made it where he don't even have to take shots or pills or nothing. You dig what I'm saying? This this is the cloth that I'm cut from. But you're healing yourself too. But but I'm saying, look, look at what, look at his accomplishments, look at his achievements, and look at what I am. A motherfucker in green with nothing. I can't tell you nothing about nothing but the penitentiary. You dig and what see, I'm saying? And, and it I kills me. That's powerful, though, because that's the only way that you can truly win is to recognize that you've been losing, right? Yeah. And I think that's why you're winning now is because you recognize for so long that you lost, and you get you get tired of losing, right? Yeah. So I I I understand that. I understand that sentiment, you know. And that's that's why you win now. That's why you're winning now, and that's why you're putting yourself in a different position than what you put yourself in in the past. So right. don't beat yourself up too much. I, you know what I'm saying? Because I, I don't I don't I don't beat myself up. I mean, right, what it then. is is what it is, man. I mean, I'm not going. I I have no tears to cry. One thing I understand about what I've done in my life and where I've been, I deserve nothing. I deserve nothing. I deserve nothing. No empathy, no sympathy. I deserve nothing. I owe everything. So earlier you spoke about freedom, you know, what, what you'd be willing to do for your freedom. Right. When you desire it that much. So what did freedom look like to you then? And what does it look like to you now? That's a, I love that question. That's a good question. Uh, to me, freedom back then was material things. You know, the cars, the women, the nice houses, everything. 
that I, that was freedom to me. I want to be out there with it. God was I so wrong. Freedom to me now is to help every man, every woman, every child, every single thing that desires to want to be a good thing. That's freedom to me. Because now, not only am I influenced that thing or that person, you know, that thing that that person is influencing something, something else. And, that, and that's freedom to me. Okay. Freedom is being good because it's just as easy to be bad as it is to be good. It took a long time for me to understand that it's just as easy to cuss as it is to say a word intelligent. It's the same energy. And that's, that's my freedom. You know, like I say, if I expire here, DOC is going to have a cold dilemma. Wait a minute. This dude, this, this, this dude, which one did we choose? Which one did we choose? Which one did we choose about Mr. Bell? And Mr. Bell was the absolute scum of the earth, but now Mr. Bell, everybody in the penitentiary loves him because everything he do is positive and beneficial to every individual in the penitentiary. So what do they choose? That's my freedom. Let them make that decision. That's my freedom. I'm a child of God. You know what I mean? That's just how I feel. I'm, I'm a child of God. And uh, I'm going to do everything I can to make God smile. You know what I mean? When did you come to find God? Well, God was never lost. He found me. Okay. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> when, did, when did God find you? Um, I think that he, he always was there. I just wasn't listening because I had so much noise in my head. You know, it's so many different things going on in there. But when you shut those things off, it's just as clear as a bell. You know what I mean? And like I say, uh, I hear it all the time, not like you think. He's never said nothing physical. He's never been no woo-woo, all that there. I just know that that presence is there. And, and I, I desire pleasing him. I desire trying to be a better man, you know, whether anybody believe it or not. It's hard to say. Don't get me wrong. This is not easy to do because there's some guys you just want to grab them and choke them to death. That's just the truth. But you can't. You can't do it, man, because... You got one time to make a mistake in front of those dudes, and they're going to tell everybody. They watch you. When you talk this talk, they watch you. When you walk that walk, they watch you. So if this is what you're going to do, you better be good at it because they waiting. I done had them come to me a thousand times. Hey, man, that ain't what you said the other day, Bell. So you got to do it right because if you don't, they're ready to ridicule you. They will pin you to the cross. So be good at what you do. To know your strong suit, you have to know your weaknesses. Yeah, of course, yeah. And, and I know I had weaknesses that any child or teenager would have. Those weaknesses are being impulsive. You dig what I'm saying? Being in a rush. You know, everybody's in a rush to live. I was in a rush. I was running to something. However, I was running to the wrong shit. I was running to... to you know, foolishness. I wasn't running to anything uh, uh, that, that you know, bred success. But when, when I'm telling you I feel like a loser because I'm telling you I had so many opportunities, so many chances to be something other than what I became. And through, through one choice, one decision, I squandered everything. And I think at the core of it, from squandering everything, you know, when, 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 when you get in that hole, all you got is a shovel. You don't know that you're supposed to be trying to dig out. You digging in. You dig what I'm saying? The, the beauty of it, I done finally put the, the shovel down. <laughs> The tragedy of it, I'm at the bottom of the Grand Canyon. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, I put the shovel down, <laughs> but now all I got is all I got is uh, echoed screams right now. You know what I mean? So, so are do you do the peak program and things like that to kind of gain some redemption for yourself? If if if. And redemption is hard for me. Redemption is hard for me because 
the great state of Colorado and told me I'm irredeemable. You dig what I'm saying? So redemption is hard for me. Uh, uh, but I do it because I'm my mama's son. You dig what I'm saying? Uh, uh, I'm my pop's son. And if I'm to ever act like I'm their son, this is the man that, that they raised. You dig what I'm saying? I can't, I can't pretend like I don't have no sense. I have sense. I'm, I'm not a dummy. Listen, for some little dude right now that's going to put some shoestrings in his, in his uh, shoes and that's what he's going to determine his life based on, he deserves to hear this story. He deserves to know that it's something else. You dig what I'm saying? He deserves to, I owe that to him. If I'm really an OG, I owe him that side of it. You know what I mean? I could tell him, yeah, you know, it's all, yeah, take phase and uh, all that. I, I could tell him that part. But I'm a punk if I don't tell him the whole part. I got to tell him the whole side of it. I can't tell him 50%. I got to give him the whole game. You know what I mean? The, the other side of the story, the other side of that coin is this. And, man, it hurt a whole lot more than you could ever imagine. You know what I mean? This right here hurts. This right here hurts. Before I leave this earth and before my mother and my father leave this earth, I, I don't want them to say, hey, man, uh, my son was a fuck up. I want them to say, man, my son fucked up. You dig what I'm saying? I, I don't want my mom to leave this earth knowing that I never displayed or exhibited the potential that she first seen in me when she very first looked at me. You know, everybody, all of us in here, when your mama first looked at you, when she first seen you, naked, crying, you know what I mean? And she's hurting and pain and sweating and all that shit. When she first seen you, she had the highest hopes and the highest goals and the biggest aspirations for, for us, for all of us, right? Being that I understand that, I can't let her leave this planet not knowing that those things that she's seen in me wasn't a myth. It wasn't just some hope. It, it was real shit. The best thing in the whole wide world that we all have is tomorrow. Yesterday was yesterday. The best thing you have is tomorrow. You know what I mean? We, we know what happened yesterday. However, <laughs> we can make tomorrow be what we want it to be based upon what we do today. I think that what I go through today will make me who I need to be tomorrow. You know what I mean? And I'm cool with that. I ain't tripping on that. How do you manage the, the fact that you have such a past to outlive? You know what? Just what you said, it's my past. I don't, I'm not proud of it. I wish I never did it, but I can't keep messing with it. I got to go on. I got to, I got to push forward. It's over with. It's done. I can't do anything about it. Only thing I can do is just keep being positive. And maybe somewhere, like I told you a thousand times before, maybe my father be merciful. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't care about it. It's done and over. I got a child I've never seen. I pray to God that maybe one day I'll see him so I can fall on my knees and tell him, forgive me. Uh, 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 for not being a man that I should have been at that particular time. Uh, can we just start right now? I don't want to talk about your mother. I don't want to talk about this. Let's just talk about me and you. And that's how I look at it. The past is over. I can't do nothing. We got to start right now. Today is the day we start. Here at Within, we have a resident poet, William S. Graham. And during our interviews, Will sits in the corner, which we've come to call Will's Corner, and writes poems for the folks that we're interviewing. This poem is for Rory and Otis, and it's called Just Give Up. I see the mountain, hear what they say, smell the air, feel it in so many ways. You can't climb that. As if your mistakes are you, I just look at my mountain. Like, what am I supposed to do? Give up on art? Dig into the grooves? Accept the moment with nothing to prove? 
Just get to the top each day, every way to never give up. Next time on Within. Terry Mosley Jr., resident at Sterling Correctional Facility. I didn't believe that I was this terrible person. Like I said in the beginning, when you think about the people and how they love you, right? Why do they love you? And it's because they see things that you don't see. So I always try to see why someone loves something. And um, that was always the reason why I knew that I wasn't a terrible person. I wasn't this image that they projected upon. We wanted to include more voices from incarcerated folks across the state of Colorado. So we started a newsletter. It's called Reverberations from Within. If you're interested in reading it or in sending pieces of writing into it, visit our website at thisiswithin.com. If you're incarcerated in the state of Colorado and you want to submit material to our newsletter, please speak to your programs manager in your facility. Within is a collaborative production between the University of Denver Prison Arts Initiative and the Colorado Department of Corrections. Our hosts are Denise Presson, resident of Denver Women's Correctional Facility, Andrew Draper, resident of Sterling Correctional Facility, and executive producer and DUPI founder and director, Ashley Hamilton. Within is produced by Caroline Sheehan. Associate producers are Michael J. Clifton and Sarah Berry, both of whom are incarcerated. Mr. William S. Graham is our resident poet as well as a resident of the Denver Reception and Diagnostic Center. Media production and creative support by Angel Lopez and Chuck Martinez, both of whom are residents of Sterling Correctional Facility. Our newspaper liaison is Terry Mosley Jr., who is also a resident of Sterling Correctional Facility. Sound engineering and editing by Jonathan Howard. Full episode details, resources, and additional content, including how to subscribe to our podcast and newsletter, Reverberations from Within, is located on our website at thisiswithin.com. <laughs>